We're going to start our uh, new series, and it's called Attitude. If you have a, a, a bulletin, I know the print underneath the word attitude is kind of small, but one of the, one of the things that says attitude is, it is a disposition. Uh, it, is, uh, it is the manner in which a person behaves. Uh, think about attitude. You, you, you might be thinking of somebody right now who you know has a, a great attitude. Somebody could have a really positive attitude. And an attitude is something that can attract people. It can, it can draw people to you if you, you've got the right attitude. But we probably also know people that have a bad attitude. You know, so, somebody might have an angry attitude. Uh, so attitudes can either be attractive or they can be unattractive. They can either influence and, uh, and draw people to themselves or they can repel and, and uh, chase people away. Attitudes are a really uh, important issue. And I want to talk to you about attitude this morning. And, and there's a particular attitude that I have in mind. But this particular attitude is really hard for us to identify in ourselves. It's hard for us to look in the mirror and see this attitude coming back at us. In fact, we, we, we would never think of ourselves as being this that I want to talk to you about this morning. In fact, it's so close to the word attitude. In fact, it, it's, it's spelled just slightly different than the word attitude. In fact, I want to talk to you about both uh, really are kind of like uh, polar opposites of each other. And, and only two little words differentiate them between these two uh, tremendously opposite, you know, attitudes. And, 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 and the word is either, either in or un, uh, either in gratitude or ingrateful or ungrateful or gratitude or gratitude uh, or ingratitude. Do you follow along? I'm a little confused. I'm sorry. Uh, Thankful or unthankful. It, it basically, we're, we're all saying the same thing. Uh, to, to be grateful or to be ungrateful. To be, to be experiencing gratitude or ingratitude. So, so I want to talk to you about this. But you know what? In, in all the years, really, that I've you know, uh, served as a pastor, nobody's ever come up to me and say, you know, Pastor, I've finally figured out what my problem is. I am just an ungrateful person. Nobody ever says that because, because to be ungrateful... Uh, is, is something that is hard to see in the mirror. And, and we can see it in others, but we can't see it in ourselves. And in fact, uh, what you need to understand is this, is that, is that when gratitude is unexpressed, it might as well doesn't exist, okay? This is, this is really big. Unexpressed gratitude is gratitude that does not exist, okay? Uh, so we're going to talk about this this morning. Uh, I, I kind of think of myself as being, you know, a polite person, uh, courteous. I think my parents taught me how to, to, to be thoughtful and, and to be courteous, you know. Uh, I, I enjoy holding a door open for somebody. This is a small thing. It's not a big thing, right? You know, I mean, I'm not talking about holding a door open for somebody who's like a step, be, you know, or two behind you. You know, of course you should hold the door open in a case like that, you know. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, reaching the door. You know, you're going into the bank or the post office or, you know, or, you know, uh, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. And, and you see somebody who is lagging behind, who is on their way toward the door. But you hold the door open for them. And, and by letting them in first, you're really basically saying, you can get online ahead of me in the bank or, you know, at the post office or whatever. I, I think that's really, you know, polite and courteous, you know. And, 
And, and, and it really sets you up for kind of like this little mini relationship that can take place. You, you know, you, you, you can respond to the person who says thank you by saying, you're welcome. Hey, have a great day. You know, hope you have, a, God bless you. You know, something along those lines. But I tell you what drives me crazy, and maybe you could relate to this, you know, because if you're the kind of person that likes to hold the door open for others like me, you know, what drives me absolutely nuts is when there's no response. When you hold the door open for somebody and then they just walk right by, it's like, like you didn't see what just happened? Like, dude, hey, you know, you, you know and like if, if you would say something like, you're welcome, and they didn't say thank you, that's sarcastic, right? So you wouldn't do that. But, but you feel like you've been slighted or you feel like you've been taken for granted or, you know, it's like, it's like the attitude that they kind of project is like, of course you should open the door for me because of who I am, you know? And, and you know, it's like, look, it, it's not like I've ever aspired to want to be a doorman or worked in Manhattan or something like that, you know? It's just, it's just, just the right thing to do, right? And, and, you know, just take this now and multiply this to really the key relationships in our life because, because I, I think Jesus said it like this. He said, he said, when you are faithful in small things, in the little things, then you'll be faithful in the big things as well. See, what, what I'm really trying to get at is the key relationships in our life, the relationships between spouses, between parents and children, between siblings, even in the workplace, you know, that we would be people that would express, you know, gratitude. You know, you see, because there's a world of difference, and here's the point, follow along closely. There's a world of difference between feeling grateful, and expressing gratitude. You see, if, if, if I'm thinking of a, of, a, of a person, maybe you're thinking of somebody who you've been gracious to, you've been kind to, you've helped in the past, but they've never, you know, they've never really expressed appreciation for you. And, and, and if you were to say to that person, you know what, I just want to be honest with you, you are a very ungrateful person. You know what they probably would, they would defend themselves, number one, and number two, they would probably say, wait a minute, I, I'm not an ungrateful person. I have lots of grateful feelings. I have lots of grateful thoughts. So, but here's the difference. There's a world of difference between having grateful thoughts and just simply saying thank you. There's a world of difference between thinking, you know, thankful thoughts and, and, and actually saying, you know what, I appreciate all the help that you've been in my life. I want to thank you for, 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 for doing this in my life. You, you understand what I'm saying? Unexpressed, unexpressed gratitude may as well not exist because until it is spoken, it doesn't exist, okay? Uh, so we're going to look this morning at uh, this great subject, and I think it's going to be a blessing uh, to each and every one of us. Uh, because I tell you what, and this is so important, because over time, over time, it doesn't happen right away, but over time, if there is this ingratitude in a relationship, it'll, it'll derail that relationship. It'll, it'll erode that relationship. Uh, isn't it true? Isn't it, isn't it applicable that when uh, you are generous and somebody expresses their appreciation for your generosity, what do you naturally want to do? You want to be more generous, don't you? Uh, if, you if you've ever, uh, you know, 
been gracious to say somebody who is uh, like a street person, you know, uh, and and they don't respond to you. You you, you kind of want to close your hand toward that person. But if they're appreciative and and they express that appreciation, you wanna you wanna show even more generosity to a person who expresses that. So I believe this message this morning is going to help every one of us at, at every level of, of where we are. But, but if you're here this morning and you don't, you know, have a relationship with Christ and, and you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in, you know, I just want you to know that we're really uh, excited and glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we, we want, you, want you to know that, that we just want to encourage you to keep on coming, ask questions. Some of you uh, may be experiencing some of the very same things that the majority of us in the room have experienced in the past. We've had questions, and, and, and some of those questions are still unanswered for us, but many of those questions have been answered, and, and so we've got this relationship with Christ that we want to kind of encourage you to also seek. And, and you know, that word seek is important. Uh, keep coming back and keep seeking. Uh, Jesus said, for those who, who seek and who keep on seeking, they're going to find. For those who, who ask and who keep on asking, they're going to receive. And those who knock and keep on knocking, the door is going to be open for them. So, so there's a principle here that we just want to kind of encourage you uh, in your quest and in your search for faith in Jesus and, and all this thing that, that takes place here at church. We're going to look at a verse of Scripture uh, from the Gospels, the New Testament, the, the Gospel of Luke. Luke uh, is uh, one of the four Gospel writers. is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He, uh, he was kind of feeling probably like an outsider as well because Luke was the only non-Jewish person who wrote uh, part of the New Testament. He's, he's the only non-Jewish person. Uh, Luke was a, a Gentile who probably lived in the city of Antioch when the gospel spread in the book of Acts and went to the city, the Gentile city called Antioch. Uh, Luke was probably there and probably accepted Christ at that time. And he's referred to by the Apostle Paul affectionately, not only as a loving companion, but also as Luke, the beloved physician. So he was a physician by profession. And, and that, this is going to maybe even give us a greater insight into this because he was a physician. He writes about, he writes about this, this dreaded disease uh, of the first century called leprosy. Maybe you've, you know, know a little bit about it. And so we're going to look at uh, the, the life of uh, some uh, individuals who had this horrible disease called leprosy. And i tell you what, it, it not only affected you physically, I mean, it not only ravished your body, uh, ultimately, you know, destroying your, your flesh, but, but, but it was a, a, was a disease that affected you emotionally, socially. You became an outcast. You, you were isolated or uh, incubated from, from the rest of society. So you were cut off from family, cut off from friends, you know, and uh, th- there's no way for you to make a living. No one would hire you. You, you, you were thought of, of as being contagious. And so you were at the mercy of others to, to kind of bring you food, to kind of, you know, just feel sorry for you. And so it was a horrible, horrible life in every way, physically, emotionally, socially, you know. So let's look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, it says, now... On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus 
traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. I, I like this detail. And while it's just simply a detail here, while it was written in the first century, listen, because of the location that is, that, that, that is specifically given. Listen, if you were a searcher, a seeker, and you wanted to find out the truth, you can go to this area and, and find out, verify whether this thing really happened according to the Gospel of Luke. So it says in verse 12, as he was going into a village, that is Jesus, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And, and the reason why they were at a distance, obviously, was because they weren't allowed to, to come next to healthy people. In fact, when, when, and whenever they came into your presence, when they were walking on the road, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, or ring a bell, or, or, or make some kind of loud noise so that you're kind of warned you know, here comes a leprous person, and so you need to get out of the way. So at this distance, they begin to cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, there's 10 guys, right, 10, ten men who had leprosy. What, what a horrible, horrible situation this was. And, and I'm sure that, that, that Luke is just giving us a flavoring of, of what they may have said. They may have said something like, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Or have compassion on us. Have pity on us. And, and what were they asking for? Well, it's obvious what they were asking for. And it's obvious that they knew something about Jesus. What did they know about Jesus? Well, they knew that, they knew that he had a healing ministry, that the whole region of Judea had been filled with the fame of this, this rabbi who was doing these miracles and healing leprosy, healing blind eyes and crippled bodies. And so... And so here's their opportunity, and they're not going to let this opportunity pass them by. And so they begin to raise their voice, their, their loud voices, and they cry out for mercy, right? But they also, listen, have enough confidence to believe that Jesus can do what, 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 they, what they want him to do, that, that they believe that Jesus is compassionate and merciful to respond to their need and so it says in verse 14, when he, Jesus, saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And I love this. Listen, it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, now let me just explain this first about what, what is Jesus saying to them? He says, he says, guys, go show yourselves to the priest, right? So Jesus must have raised his voice because they were at a distance. And he says, go Guys, go show yourselves to the priest. And the reason why he did that is because in the Old Testament, way over there in the book of Leviticus, if somebody had leprosy, every once in a while, some inexplicable reason, some miracle, some mysterious reversal would happen in an individual who had leprosy. And in order to, to, to bring them back into the community of, of, of the people, because they were no longer contagious, it was the responsibility of the priest to examine them, you know, to take a look at their body and, and to be able to say, yeah, this person who once had leprosy no longer has leprosy. They are now safe to go back into, into society, back into the community, okay? So, so Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, we, we, we don't know uh, 
how many steps it took them as they began their journey to travel to find the priest. You know, maybe they're walking down the road. They're, they're at a distance. Maybe they're like a half a block away from Jesus. And this is, this is where the story really gets interesting. Because as they went, they were healed. What was Jesus asking them to do? Jesus was not, he, he, was, he was asking them to do what he asks each and every one of us to do. And that is to walk by faith. That is to, and this is one of the simplest understandings of what faith is. It, it is simply to act upon what Jesus says or act upon what God says and to respond in an obedience of faith. And, and, and that's what Jesus said to do. Go show yourselves to the priest. And they went. And as they went, they were cleansed or they were healed. This one simple challenge that Jesus gave to them. He, basically, what's he saying? He's saying, he's saying, guys, look, look. if you really believe I'm the master, if you really believe I am who you say I am, then go and show yourself. Even while, listen, even at that moment, there was nothing to show the priest, but it was in their going, in their response, in their obedience to what Jesus said that they were made whole. I, I tell you what, J Jesus wants the same thing for us in this life on various levels of our relationship with him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to, to believe that his word will come to pass, no matter what things look like outwardly. Now, the Bible is silent as to what happened when they finally found the priest, you know? I would like to kind of be a fly on the wall, you know? Uh, in the priest's house, you know? I mean, if one guy shows up and he's, he's inexplicably cured, that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that was a rare occurrence. But if a whole bunch of guys show up at the same time, what do you think the priest is going to say? I mean, he's going to ask, he's going to say who, what, when, where? I mean, he's going to be blown away. And then they're going to say it was Jesus who said, go, and show yourselves unto the priest. I just, I just love this. Uh, th this is the kind of like the first show and tell there ever was, you know? And so, and so they're, they're showing and then they're telling. It was Jesus who made us whole. So look at verse 15. This is, this is where there's a twist now in the story. And I, lo I love this twist because verse 15 says one of them. Doesn't say half of them. Doesn't say... Four of them, doesn't say three of them, says one of them. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So here's the guy, the one in the 10, who comes out. You, this is a famous story. I'm sure you've heard this. Listen, this is one of those stories that are illustrated in, in, in children's Bibles because, because the, the importance of the story is so obvious that even children get it. You know, even children can understand and see the significance of, of, of this gospel story. So, so, so here's this guy now. He's no longer at a distance. He's now at the feet of Jesus. He's up close and personal. Can I say this also? That that's exactly what Jesus wants from us. 
He doesn't want us to be at a distance. He wants us to be up close and personal. And, and one of the greatest places to be found is at his feet. I, I love the, the story of Mary. I'm getting off my topic, but I love the story of Mary because Mary is found repeatedly at the feet of Jesus, listening and drinking in every word of Jesus. Well, can, can I say this? That when we come to experience this, this great Savior that we have, you, you, know, you know what the Bible tells us then? That nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Not disease, not sickness, not death, not persecution, not peril, not sword. Nothing can be able to separate us from the love of God. I mean, that, that is huge, I think. Here's this, here's this picture, right? Here's this guy with an attitude of gratitude. Here's this guy who, who, is, who is showing this unabashed, demonstration of, of appreciation for what Jesus has done for him. He's at the feet of Jesus, and he's thanking Jesus. He's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's the guy, listen, who not only has his health back, he's got his life back. Could you imagine the thoughts that must be going through this man's mind? You know, while he's thanking Jesus, he's probably, he's probably thinking, I'm going to be able to hold my wife again. I'm going to be able to hug my kids. I'll be able to play with my kids again. I'll be able to see my parents once again. I want you to think about this. This man was grateful because Jesus not only healed his body, but also gave him his life back. And here's where the story again, gets, gets really even more intense and more interesting because it's based upon what Jesus now says. And Jesus says something that's really interesting. Listen to what it says in verse 17. Jesus says this. We're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this Samaritan, this foreigner, this Gentile. Was there, was there no one else to come back to give praise except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I, I could just see Jesus reaching down and picking the man up and helping him stand up on his feet and saying, go ahead, go. Your faith has made you well, were there not 10? Where are the nine? Now, the implication is obvious, isn't it? I mean, because Jesus asked the question, the implication is, is, is really so obvious. He, he's saying, guys, something is wrong with this picture. Jesus is, is, is remember, he's teaching his disciples once again, right? He's always, he's always instructing them. And, and what is Jesus implying by this, you know, this situation here. Here, here it is, that, that when there is an inexpression of gratitude, it expresses, it sends a message of ingratitude. Maybe Jesus felt slighted. Maybe Jesus felt taken for granted. Maybe the disciples said, you know what? Our, our master was disrespected by these other nine that did not come back and express appreciation. We, we would naturally think, I mean, when, when the first time we read this or the first time we heard this, you know, we, we would say, what a bunch of ingrates. They got their life back and yet they 
They couldn't come back to say thank you because as they went, they were cleansed, right? Now, now here's the thing. We would have never thought, we would have never looked at this as an illustration or as an example of ingratitude had the one not come back. And had Jesus not said what he said, we would have never never surmised it. If they just simply went and were healed, we would have just chalked that up to another miracle that Jesus did. But because, because one came back and because of what Jesus said, we have this example in the Gospels of what ingratitude looks like. Could you imagine, could you imagine with me for a minute, what would it be like if we were able to catch up with the other nine, you know? If they were, say, coming out of the high priest house and they were high-fiving and they were all excited, they were, they were pronounced as being clean, you know? Could you imagine asking them the questions like, guys, what were you thinking? Aren't you, aren't you, aren't you grateful that you got your life back? Aren't you thankful that Jesus healed you? Aren't you appreciative that, that you've got your, your life once again? What do you think they would say? I think they would say, are you kidding? Of course we're, we're thankful. Of course we're grateful. Of course we're appreciative. Here's the, here's the, here's the point. This is the point of the message of, of this story. Unexpressed gratitude is as good as gratitude that does not exist. It communicates ingratitude because Listen, having grateful feelings, having thankful feelings is not the same as expressing it. But they would probably, they would never see themselves in the mirror and think of themselves as being ungrateful because if they have grateful feelings and grateful thoughts, they think that they're grateful people, but it's not the same. Proof is, Jesus said, were there not ten? Where are the nine? Was there no one else to return praise to God? See, they felt grateful, no doubt, but they didn't express it. And, and when it's not communicated, when it's not expressed, when, when we don't return thanks to what God has done for us, to, for, for what others have done for us, it might as well doesn't, doesn't exist. This is huge. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. You may have lots of feelings, lots of thoughts, but it's no good. Let me just give you kind of a couple of examples of how this applies to us in our key relationships, you know, relationships with our spouses, relationships with our, with our children, you know, and, and, and brothers and sisters and all that. And, and there could be many examples, but let me just give you a couple, all right? Uh, if you're here this morning and you are a mother and you are a, a, a wife, can I tell you there's probably no harder job in all the world than being a mother and being a wife, right? Isn't that true? You know, they, 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 they've done studies before in the past that if husbands were to pay uh, for a chauffeur, for a cook, for a cleaning person to care for their house and, and, and all that. There's no way that, 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 that husbands, that men could afford the, the, the stuff that their wives do for them, right? I mean, 
Come on, right? We, we, we want to have our houses clean. We, we want to have food in the pantry. We, we want to have clean underwear. Clean underwear is big. Clean underwear is big in my house, you know. <laughs> I mean, we want you know, fresh towels, you know, clean clothes and, and, and all that, right? And I, here's a scenario. I know you've been there. I know you've done this, you know. And, and, and so one, one day you know, you just, you're going to go all out and you're going to make, you know, the, the meal that everybody likes, you know, in the family. You're going to make their favorite meal, chicken cutlets, you know. You're going to fry them chicken cutlets up and you've been frying them chicken cutlets up for the last time. I mean, you know, you've got like three pounds of chicken cutlets and you're frying them up. And some in the family don't like them plain. Some of them like them with, you know, mozzarella. And sauce, you know, they're like like parmesan, you know, and so and so for some in the family you got to make parmesan. Some like it with 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 mashed potatoes, and they have a spoonful of mashed potatoes and a forkful of chicken cutlets at the same time. That's my wife; she'll eat it at the same time, you know. But but some of you, some of you in the family, you you, you like it with macaroni and cheese. You got to have it with mac. You can't have chicken cutlets without macaroni and cheese. And so and so here you are, and you and you, you're working so hard, you know. And, and everything is ready, the table's set, and you call everybody, dinner's ready, you know? And there's nothing. Who's, who's, who's playing a video game? Who's, who's on the internet? You know, who's texting? Who's, who's, who's watching TV? And you call out again. Now food's getting cold. Dinner's ready, you know? Hopefully you don't sound that way. <laughs> but, but you call out, dinner's ready, right? And again, nothing. Until finally, until finally, you know, if there's any crystal that's out, you know, you, you might shatter the crystal because you've raised your crystal. Dinner's ready, you know, like that. You know, and so everybody finally comes, and, and they're still, you know, they're, they're texting and playing their video game, and and you know, and they're woofing down the food, you know, and food to be dismissed, and and everybody scatters, and there you are, left to clean off the table, and there's not one word. That was delicious. That was amazing. See, you, you may tell the guys at work your wife is an incredible cook. You, you, you may tell the, you know, your friends how great your mother is at, at cooking chicken collets. But until you've expressed that to her, it doesn't exist. That's just the way it is. Uh, let me give you another example, you know. Uh, let, let me look at men, fathers, you know. Uh, we don't work as hard as mothers, but, but we work hard too, right? Well, what's the saying about mothers and fathers in their work? Uh, a, a, a man's work is from son to son, but a woman's work is never done, right? So, so, so we'll, we'll, give that, we'll give that to them, right? Uh, but, but fathers, you know, I, I have a, a video somewhere uh, in my archives. Uh, it's about 30, uh, almost 30 years old. Uh, it was my 35th birthday, and... Uh, my brother-in-law, Frank, was uh, the first one in the family that had a video camera. They were like the size of a suitcase, small suitcase. Remember those video cameras? And uh, he was kind of video camera. He was videotaking uh, my birthday and asking some of the people in the family. It was just, just family. You know, like, do you have a birthday wish for your, you know, for, for your brother, for your father, whatever? And so, and so Frank comes to, to my son, uh, Will, B- Billy. He, what a pip this kid was. He's about seven years old at the time, right? So he says, he says, Billy, do you have a, a birthday wish for your dad? He says, sure. He says, uh, 
You worked in slave so hard for 365 day, 364 days. Ah, one more day is not going to kill you. What's that saying? It's the, it's the attitude that, that's saying, we, you're supposed to do stuff like that. For, you're supposed to provide for me. You're supposed to work hard for me. That's a message, right? Uh, what, what father is there who hasn't felt like an ATM machine? You know, Dad, I need a new this. Dad, I need that. Dad, school wants, the, wants me to buy this. And, you know, Dad, I need that. You know, we, we, we all feel that. But listen, you may, you may tell your buddies how cool your dad is, but unless, unless you tell your dad, unexpressed gratitude doesn't exist. It's just the way it is. Just, just want you to know that. So I want you to know this morning is that I think what this scripture is telling us, I, I think what this scripture is calling us to be, calling us to do, is to be the one that comes back. It's to be the, the one that returns and, and gives thanks in, in all of our key relationships, that we would be grateful, that our attitude, here's what I want you to walk away with, that our attitude should express gratitude. In fact, the word gratitude is so close to the word attitude. They're almost spelled alike. But, but I really think that our attitude should express gratitude. Thankful for the people that have blessed us, the people that have helped us, the people who do for us. Honey, I, I thank you all the time for, for working so hard. And she thanks me all the time for the things that I do for her. I, I think it's important. I I think, I think sometimes when there's that lack of gratitude in a relationship over time, over time, it may have been the cause as to why there's a distance, why there's a coldness in some relationships. I don't know. It just, it just m- might be one answer as to why some relationships grow cold. And this ought to be in all of our key relationships, but especially in our relationship with the one with the one who has healed us of our leprosy, who has, who has come among us so that this incurable disease that we had called sin and unrighteousness could be healed. For by his bleeding stripes, we are healed. And that Jesus himself became leprous, he became sin for us so that we, through him, might become righteous. I mean, Jesus literally entered into our leprosy so that we could be made well. And, and what do we do? We are to express our gratitude to him. I mean, that, that's what our worship is whenever we come together. That, that's, what our devo- that's what our life is supposed to be. Our life is supposed to be an attitude that expresses gratitude. I came across a story that I wanted to share with you in closing this morning. A uh, person is, is writing this uh, is a woman who was uh, at a local uh, fast food restaurant, and uh, she was working with her laptop at the restaurant. And you, you've seen this, you know, before, like places like Panera, whatever, you know. Uh, and she's with a couple of people, and she she excused herself. She went into the bathroom, and in the bathroom on this uh, uh, plant, it was a you know one of those plastic plants planters. 
there was a note that was attached. It was a handwritten note, and the handwritten note read as follows. My name is Susan, and this is my story. I was rich, beautiful, suntanned, and a jet setter, but for 10 years, I was addicted to drugs. The drug of my choice was pharmaceutical cocaine. I snorted one to three grams every single day. I took mescaline, uh, phenobarbital, secondols, met metamphetamines, LSD, plus I drank a six-pack, sometimes two, of Heineken's every day. I was a garbage pail drug addict. Give me 50 pills, I'd swallow them without asking any questions. I was high for 10 years of my life. I never came down, never once. I decided to have a baby. Someone, and in parentheses, someone to love me. But I couldn't quit. I went to NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous, and I went to AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. I even went to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist prescribed for me Valium, which I became addicted to Valium. I had a drug baby, she writes. Born critically ill with diabetes, metabolic syndrome, or malabsorption, excuse me, malabsorption syndrome, two genetic Two uh, uh, congenital heart defects. And then she says, I wanted her to live more than anything else in this whole world. And I looked up to heaven one day and I said, God, if you are real, help me. And she writes, God did. And that was 30 years ago. God healed my body and God healed my baby. Written at the bottom of the note was a little drawn heart, and inside the heart was two words, trust Jesus. She says, this is the lady who found the note. She says, I borrowed the note, bring it back to my table just long enough for me to type it out on my laptop. Then I returned it to its place in the bathroom. But as I left the restaurant, I noticed that she had placed the note on every single windshield of every car in the parking lot. Then she writes, what what so impressed me was that this had been 30 years before and she was still taking opportunity to broadcast far and wide her gratitude to Jesus for what he had done in her life. Time had not cooled her zeal, her love, or her gratitude. She says, I I wonder how many other restrooms and how many other parking lots did, did this lady find away as a platform for her story of redemption. 30 years later, Susan wants everybody to know that there is hope in Jesus and that there is no, listen, there is no expiration date on gratitude. There's no expiration date on gratitude. Just one, one more story. Chuck Colson, I've talked about Chuck Colson before in the past. He was one of the most powerful men in Washington, D.C. He was President Nixon's hatchet man. He was one of the men who went to prison because of the Watergate scandal. Before he went to prison, a friend of, him, a friend of his gave him a copy from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. He read Mere Christianity and gave his life to Christ. Went to prison while in prison began to minister to other prisoners, was led out of prison and started this prison ministry called Prison Fellowship. 
Ironically, he died a year ago in April. In fact, it'd be two weeks from now, April 21st, he died about a year ago. But, but I, I view it as he had a promotion. He went into his reward. This is what he wrote right before he died. He says, I've, I've been in 700 prisons in 49 countries. I was in prison this morning, and it was a great joy to see men coming to Christ. Of course, prisons are a rotten holes. I've been in places in South America where you slip on the sewage coming out of the cells. I've been in prisons in, in Zimbabwe where, where the men don't have food to eat or clothes to wear, and your heart breaks. And people say to me, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep coming back and back and back? And that was more than 30 years. His answer was this, gratitude to God for what God has done in my life. I can do nothing less. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If gratitude has a voice, what does yours say? I have a feeling that there are many of us here that need to express our attitude in gratitude for all the things that God's done for us. Not only for the key relationships that we have with people, but but for all that God's done for us. You know, let let, 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 let me just give a shout out to the music ministry, to to, to those who serve in in the greeting team, to to those who serve on the media team. You know, I'm the one that's seen, Doug and the worship leaders are seen. We we, kind of get the glory, but there's no way that we could do what we do without the help of everybody who comes alongside of us and helps us. And and there are other ministries, the children's ministry, the the finance committee, and, and, and so many other of those of you who make church happen. Thank you. If we haven't said thank you in a while, I just want you to know we say, we say thank you. But most of all, most of all, listen, I want you to know this. This has got to become a part of our life. This isn't just something we do in November when we, when we have turkey and we celebrate Thanksgiving, but this is something that we practice in our life. In fact, in fact, for some of you, this may be the missing key to what you need to put in prayer because the Bible says that whenever we, we pray, whenever we come before God, let our requests be made known to God with what? With thanksgiving. Did you know there's something funny about this word unthankful? It is often paired with another word, in the scriptures, in the New Testament, that's called unholy. Those who are unthankful and unholy. And you would never think of yourself like that. And so I, I just want to encourage you this morning. Imagine, imagine what life could be like if you begin. People, when they identify you, when, when they say, oh yeah, Richard, Joe. When I think of that guy, I think of what a, what a gracious attitude. What a what a, a, a grateful person he is she is let's pray father i pray this morning that this message would go down deep into our hearts and into our minds and into our spirit that we be the one that comes back i I pray that even now that you would speak to our hearts about individuals maybe that that we need to pick up the phone today 
Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse that, that we need to just have a talk with and say, you know what, honey, I just want you to know I appreciate you so much. Or dad, I, I want you to know that I'm so thankful for the help that you've been in my life. And Because th- th- this is so important because over time, over time, it derails and erodes the relationships. But if we become like the one, then Jesus will highlight in our life that attitude of gratitude. Amen?